0: Hello, my name is Celia Hirsch and I'm a volunteer with Igniting Change, an intentionally tiny but outcome-mighty organisation based in Melbourne, Australia. Igniting Change has walked alongside many individuals and organisations making a difference, usually working with very thorny issues in decidedly unsexy areas. It's unlike any charity you may have previously encountered and its catchphrase is, See the person, not the label. What we are seeking to do with this podcast is introduce you to the people of Igniting Change and the people we work alongside. Today's guest is Jane Tewson, Igniting Change founder and director. Hi, Jane. Hi, Seals. I've got to start with uh, a question about your instinct to help others. Where did that come from?
1: I don't think of myself as helping others. I, I don't think of myself as helping others. I've been really lucky. I grew up in a large family, and very early on, I realized it just makes so much sense. You get so much more out than you put in. And I love the fact my mum was a local doctor, and we had all sorts of people in and out of the house and the garden. And I really enjoyed being with them. It didn't matter. From what walk of life I found them very interesting and to that day I still do. So I don't think of myself as helping others. It's rather selfish what I do. I have the best job in the world because I get so much out of it.
0: But was charity something that you were surrounded by? Were your parents donating to charities? Were they actively helping those less fortunate in the community? A good
1: question. I I don't think of charity as something that you do to people. And I don't think Mum and Dad probably made charitable donations. I'm not sure, but they lived their life in a very, uh, in a very mutual way. And they were doctors, and Mum at Christmas time, because she knew who the patients were that couldn't afford coal, she would deliver a bag of coal to everyone at Christmas anonymously. So we were brought
0: up to share everything that we had. And you mentioned that you you grew up talking to people, no matter who they were. Do you think people are born with that skill or 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 with that ability or do you think that that is something that's learned being able to talk to anyone I'm not sh- I'm very shy so I find it actually hard talking to anyone
1: but I am interested in everyone and so I don't make I hope I don't make judgments of course we all do but I just love meeting different people from different walks of life especially if you're on a one to one as well
0: well, when I see you out on a project visit or something of that nature, I mean, you always... You don't find it difficult to make conversation with somebody in... With, you, know, you disregard their circumstances, if you like. You just talk to people as you talk to people. You don't change the way you approach people.
1: Oh, that's such a lovely compliment. I hope that's so. And again, you just get so much more out than you put in. And I know, for example, a lot of the people that we work with are, li- are living in poverty. And I, <clears throat> I just don't know what it's like to measure out the pieces of white bread that you give, you give to your child every day. And I need to get it. I need to feel it. I need to get it into my heart to be able to do the job I do well and, have, and be really empathetic.
0: Well, where did you start in terms of, of working in the, and I'm going to put inverted commas around it, in the charity sector? Like so many things in life, it
1: was incidental. Uh, I I was a, pretty much a failure at school in terms of exams. I'm dyslexic. I was very sporty, so that kept me in good stead. So I stayed at school. I think it could have been very likely that I'd would be expelled if I hadn't been involved with sport because I was mucking up quite a bit as you do when you're succeeding in the classroom. Did you enjoy school? Loved it absolutely loved it we had fantastic teachers it was terrific but I used to after school go and visit a woman who ran an antique shop in the local town called Tame, and she was very supportive of me and I think I, I showed my vulnerability to her I didn't know what I was going to do I was really, all my siblings were going to university. And she, I got very interested in jewelry. And then we, I'd grown up knowing a young child with Down syndrome, Jimmy, and I loved him. I absolutely, every time he came, I would enjoy my time with him, roughing and tumbling and having lots of hugs. And she suggested I got, you know, maybe she'd go and work with a charity. And she made an introduction to, the Royal Society for Mentally Handicapped Children, and that's how it all started. How long were you there for? Not very long. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, their emblem was a little Downs boy crying, and I knew in my heart that that was wrong. Um, I didn't see the Downs children that I came across as being pathetic in any way. I saw them as being... People who could contribute to society and people who we needed as part of our society and that 's how I started doing what I do, which is all about giving people a voice who don 't
0: normally have one so you went so you were how old when you when you left this particular charity with the crying downs probably twenty two and then where'd you go? I decided as young. 22-year-olds
1: often do that I knew a better way and I came up with the idea for a, for a charity all the costs would be covered separate to the money that we raised and we genuinely involve the people that we wanted to support and we give them a voice and we give them their own voice and involve them in all aspects of running of the charity and that was called Charity Projects and that grew into something called Comic Relief which is better known as Red Nose Day and I did that for ten years and loved every minute of it. But I, I'm one of those people, every now and again I like to throw the deck of cards up and start again. But basically everything I've done has always been about giving a voice to people who wouldn't normally have one, to work with them, to walk alongside them and to
0: include them in everything that we do. So whoa, 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 <laughs> comic relief and Red Nose Day and all those things. They're pretty they're probably some of the most well known Um, charities in the world what was it like running it and what sort of people you must have rubbed shoulders with some reasonably interesting folk the people that stick out in my mind are the
1: people that who were really inquisitive and who really wanted to know why we were doing it so gordon brown who was then the chancellor of the exchequer i remember one day having a meeting with him and I, i i said something like well when did you last meet People that you're making policies about? When did you last meet a sort of young 12, 13 year old mother, or somebody who was homeless, or somebody who was really um, not able to make ends meet? And he sort of flustered a bit and then said, Well, when are you coming in to see me? And it was pretty much the next day that I took a group of young people in to have a chat with him. And he said that changed the way that policies were made in the UK and that they were going to spend much more time talking to the people impacted by the issues and that to me is one of my happiest memories well that's a
0: huge victory can you do it here (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying celia and what about um what about richard branson we see that when he comes to australia he comes and spends time with you every time he comes to australia what's the relationship there it's a long relationship richard's supported me over a long period of time.
1: He trusted his instinct when I walked into his office when I was 23 or 24 and said, would he cover my wage for three years? Uh, I think I was in there for about 10 minutes. He's dyslexic like me and he is very instinctive and he said, go away and do it. And I did. And he's been very respectful and supportive of that ever since and supports and works with Igniting Change. And Richard is a great humanitarian and he knows that when he come, when he gets involved with anything that I'm doing, he's going to meet some interesting people. So for example, he was in Australia a couple of weeks ago, and he met with young people who've been through the criminal justice system. But he met them and he also introduced 11 business leaders from Australia to those young people wanting to help create jobs for them. And we need people like Richard who are going to Push, push the boundaries for us because there aren't many businesses employing people coming out of prison. And if you're a young man, it's very hard to survive if you can't get a job and you can't get a job if you've got a record or it's bloody hard.
0: Why haven't, just broadly, why, isn't, why aren't there more people like Richard Branson in Australia? There probably are. I meet
1: amazing people every day, but they're probably more low profile than Richard. I mean, Richard has an extraordinarily high profile. I meet the, the people that I meet, so the homeless people that I meet, are ju- the, the kindness that they show, the humanity they show to other human beings is quite phenomenal. And I'm deeply moved by that every day. I just think we need to spend more time talking to them and listening to them and it's a bit I was watching the news and watching um, Prince Harry who's here at the moment with Megan and seeing how they were interacting with the public and it just made me go all goose pimply and you could see they were getting as much out of it as the communities they were visiting we need more people like that we need people who will look alongside walk alongside not
0: look down their noses but they get down and dirty and get involved. Does Australia have um, a strong enough culture of giving back? I've only been here 15 years, so it's really hard to answer that. But I... it's also important to get your perspective on it because you've come from outside. It's it's hard for us to look inside. Yeah,
1: I do. I mean, I've been overwhelmed. I mean, we're a tiny little organisation. We don't have a profile. And I've been overwhelmed by the generosity and interest of the people that we work with. For example, yourself, doing these podcasts, coming in, volunteered for us, with us for a few years. Mm. And uh, it, it's great. It, it is that igniting change family. And I've created what I grew up in. So
0: when I was three years old, I think I grew up in a similar situation to here and now. Mm. Do, you, do you count anyone as a particular influence on you? I know you've mentioned your parents have been majorly... I think my mother was a huge influence on me
1: Um, she was a real she was herself she was an individual she was slightly very eccentric how she managed to be a a doctor full-time doctor with four children and a vegetable garden that produced enough food really to feed us throughout the year and she was always everything was an adventure with us so she'd get us up early to go riding on our ponies without bridles and saddles. Or when we were driving to school, she'd try and hit the pheasant that ran across the road in front of us so we could have it for lunch, you know, a week later. And then she'd make us pluck it as well. It was a very rural existence.
0: Well, she sounds like great fun. Do you think that we have enough fun in our lives? No, I don't think we do. It's something we
1: often talk about in this office. Walking into this office every day is an absolute joy. We have such a beautiful group of people. You never quite know who's going to be in here. And I feel so lucky and so many people say that to me because it's just positive. How can you
0: build that? How can you engender that kind of feeling in a workplace, in a home? What do you think we We call
1: next? it igniting change by combining extraordinary lives. So one of the things I'm most proud of here at Igniting Change is... I my partner one of one of the partners here we work very much as a team we don't it's not hierarchical is a young woman who I first met when she was homeless and drug addicted on the streets and she just had something so special and that something that she has that is so special is being put into operation now um because she's here working with us at igniting change on a daily basis. Not only is she super, super organized and can manage me, she's my boss really, but she's also got a wonderful instinct and can smell out love you know, great
0: little projects for us to support. And how do you how does igniting change actually work? We're very quirky and we're very small intentionally. So we do
1: three key things. One thing we do on a regular basis is we say, come and meet the people and feel the issues that we're We have the joy to walk alongside. So that's what we do regularly, whether it's going to the prison, whether it's visiting asylum seekers or homeless people, whether it's going to Alice Springs and spending time with Indigenous people that we work with. The next thing we do, we're able to support those projects. We can financially support them, we can support them with mentoring, we can support them by catalyzing relationships with some of our other supporters that we work with. And that, um, last year, for example, that created over $7 million worth of investment for these tiny grassroots projects that we work with. And the third thing that we do is we've always got a creative project on the go. So we've done three books. The second one was called Dying to Know, Bringing Death to Life, which is our belief that if you talk about death, you open up a conversation you'll connect with the person that you're
0: talking about death with. You're ahead of your time there. That seems to be... It's quite fashionable now to... ...to talk about death and there are death clubs and things like that... ...but when that book came out, it wasn't so... ...it wasn't so common for people to talk about death... ...and all the things that surround it and all the issues. So the other book that you've brought out Just going back to Dying to Know, I think...
1: you're, ...you're right and it's extraordinary how much time we spend... ...when we're about to have a baby, looking at all the baby books. But it is when it comes to death, you don't. But also... It's about sharing the knowledge that you have. So my friends who've been through chemo, I now know that for them, smell is really hard. So you go to their fridge and you clean out the fridge every time you're there and you clean their bathrooms for them and you take ready-made food. Not everybody knows that. So the idea, I think your husband gave me this actually, is that that actually dying to know is a recipe book for life. And talking about a recipe book for life, small ways to shape our world is our... Latest book. And that again is encouraging people to see the person, not their label. Encourage people that people can change their stripes. And being homeless doesn't mean you're nameless. And their little thought buds interdispersed through a 60 page book to make us think more about other people,
0: to try and inspire
1: greater curiosity and generosity.
0: Yes, see the person, not the label is a really powerful catch cry or tagline however you want to describe it where did that come from and how long did it take to come up with
1: we work very closely with a man called Mark Gilmore at Virgin and he really understands what we do and he's a brand he's called a branding person and so I spent a long time talking with him about about igniting change and then one day he said you see the person not their label don't you and I said oh fantastic Mm. we've got it Mm, it that's where it came from how and he mu- also did Igniting Change by Combining Extraordinary Lives. And that's really good too. Mm.
0: How much has the organisation changed, do you think, over the over the years? Not much at all. I think it's, I'm doing now what I set out to do 40 years ago. But the nature of the work, has that changed?
1: I guess we've always looked to support the thorny issues. We've always looked. There's no point in us existing to help organisations that already have fundraisers or marketers so we're
0: interested in the ones that slip young through. Young people,
1: the ones that slip through. And we're interested to listening to the voices of the people
0: of the ones that slip through. Because you have spoken in the past about your frustration with maybe conventional charities not not letting or not inviting the people that they're helping to talk
1: yeah and i I mean when when we started Comet relief when i started Comet relief when we started working with organizations working with people with disabilities we said that we wouldn't fund any organization that didn't have people with disabilities on their board and for a long while we didn't get any applications and i still believe that no business would run without knowing who their clients were but you do meet charities who People who work there make assumptions about their clients. And I think it's so important to give the clients their own voice. We want to hear from them, not from people who think they know. Because you don't know unless you experience it. And I know I haven't experienced homelessness. I haven't experienced being an asylum seeker, having to flee my home. But I want to be honest and true to those people in how we
0: present them. It's really important to me. Is there any project of which you're especially proud? I know it's like asking you if you've got a favourite child, but is there something that you look at and think? I'm really proud
1: of Igniting Change. I really love that we're small, we're under the radar. I've said that before. We have this lovely donated office. Everything in the office is donated. Sometimes there are as many as 20 people here. We've got Afi here today who's a South Sudanese young woman who's very creative. and It, it just feels, I'm in the right, it's, I just love it. It, it. I couldn't wish for anything more and just to quietly do what we do, inspiring and catalyzing positive social change.
0: And which of those projects that you've been working on, what's, what's captured your attention at the moment? What's the thing that, that you are thinking about most?
1: how can we break new ground and bring issues to people who aren't really aware of them? How can we create a bridge between people who are experiencing the issues and people who are in a position to help? And that's not just money. That could be the farming farmers that are doing it really tough at the moment in rural Australia, getting food and getting letters of support to them. Or it could be employing people coming out of prison, or it could be Helping somebody who's been drug dependent for a long time and is in a job, but is not coping and you know that they need some psych They need some psych support So it's really feeling those issues and trying to marry up the igniting change family to support them small and large
0: What would you say are, are the main things that really need to change in Australian society at the moment to to really make a difference to our Humanity
1: I think that attitude that charity is about giving to people, it's not. I I believe it's about working with people. And it's about doing it in a very quiet way, not expecting anything back. And always keeping your eyes open for how you can support. And I, just this morning, coming into work in Glenfrey Road, there was a young woman who was obviously homeless. She was actually very young. I think she was about 17 and I, know, I just knelt down beside her and I said, hi, are you okay? And she said, I'm okay. And I said, would you like um, something to drink? Can I get you a coffee? And she burst into tears and she said, I just would love a hot chocolate with three sugars. And she thanked me for my kindness. And it was just, oh, in Glenferry Road here in the eastern suburbs. Mm. And she'd obviously been there for a while. And I must have been the per- first person.
0: The only person.
1: The first, I don't know, but I couldn't see any signs of anybody else offering mm. any food. But I did ask her. I didn't assume that she'd want anything. You didn't
0: just um, give her money?
1: No. And then, of course, I gave her the, went into nice deli, got her a huge, big um, hot chocolate and went back and said, oh, I'm going into the chemist now. Can I buy you anything? And she said, no, but thank you so much. She said, thank you again.
0: Mm. And I was it's, very humbled by that. Mm. But I think that we, we do forget that these people have dignity and we do forget that mm. it's not a choice for them to be in this dreadful situation. But you watch people walk past, ignore, um, and it's, it is a whole mindset that I think we need to change. And if only there were more people like you, Jane. Or like you, you described that beautifully, Celia. And I think one thing I'd you know, encourage people to
1: have a look at our book, Small Ways to Shape Your, Our World. And they are little things that you can mm-hmm. do. And just that thing about homeless, not nameless. And it's actually come back at me now because I didn't ask the young woman her name. Mm. And I should have done. And that's, that's something that homeless people have asked to do for them. So tomorrow, if she's there, I will stop and find out her name.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's remarkable that, that you just do that and it's something that we can all learn more about just being human.
1: But look at how much joy I get and look at how mm. almost addicted I am to my work because it is so true you get so much more out than you put in mm. and that we learn from each other. So we all,
0: every day we're all learning from each other and listening and we're open to doing that. Well, on that theme, Jane, I ask everyone... What's the one thing Igniting Change has taught you? Never assume you know. And what I know is that I know less every day rather than more. I don't think that's true, Jane Shewson. Thank you so much for your company today. <laughs> thank you, today. That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening and remember, see the person not the label.